It's so good to be together this morning. My goodness, is anyone happy that came to church today? The building. So I'm going to preach a very pointed, very short baptism sermon. Someone say, come on, brother, bring it. When I think of baptism, many things come to mind. What comes to your mind? Come on, give me some one-liners, one-worders. Help me out. Water. Praise God. That's the first one. What else do you think of when you think of baptism? Jesus. Spirit. Someone else. Obedience. Renew. Commitment. Declaration. Come on, girl. Family. I love it. Celebration. Big time. Cleansing. Come on. You guys are preaching for me. This is going to be really short. <laughs> oh, I like it. Come on, Samuel. I need your help, brother. What a joy. Well, the one word that I know some of y'all were thinking but didn't say for me, the reason why baptism is a line in the sand is because of the word immersion. Say that with me. Immersion. When someone chooses to be baptized, they are standing publicly saying, make no mistake about it. I may be a teacher by trade, but what causes me to burn on the inside is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. When someone is baptized, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden they get all of their act together. Far from it. Come on, somebody. But baptism is that gift, that grace that the Lord has given His church to participate in, where you no longer have to guess what a man, woman, boy, or child is about. Because when they are immersed in the waters, they don't come out the same. When they are immersed in the water, what they're saying is, I do not desire to have a piddle in the kiddie pool version of Christianity. No, no, no. Jesus came and fully immersed himself in my condition so that through identifying in my union with him in baptism, I can be immersed in the life that he came to give me. It's Baptism Sunday, Cornerstone Church. And it's time for some of y'all to get off the fence. It's time for some of y'all to stop lily-gallying. I don't even know what that phrase means. Listen, lollygagging, some of y'all are just kind of, here's the line. I kind of want to come to church a few times a Sunday. I kind of, I'll give tithe maybe a couple times a year. I, man, when my coworker, you know, asks what I'm doing before my meal, I'll just say I'm sneezing or blowing my nose instead of praying. Listen, some of y'all, it's time to get off the fence. It's time to be immersed. It's time to be immersed. Some of y'all, it's time to be immersed. Christianity is not a stay at a distance. Uh, non-contact sport. It is a fully immersed in the participation of their very life that flows from God and the life that flows within the family of believers and the life that flows out in the city and in the streets. It's time for some of y'all to be baptized. It's time. Now, I'm not trying to get 24 baptisms, but I just know baptism is that gift that God has given the church, that commandment that the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples in his church to go out into all the world, Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. What's a disciple? 
someone who's following Jesus. A disciple, it literally means to be a learner, a learner not just of information, but a learner who learns how to live life in an, an entirely different realm called the kingdom by an, under an entirely different Lord called the Lord Jesus and in an entirely different power source called the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. Go make learners. Go and invite people to follow you as you're following Christ. And when you invite them and they say yes, one of the very first steps is that they immerse themselves by participating in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they go into the waters and out, they come out a new creation, marking to all of those around them saying, make no mistake about it. I am not the Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Go and make disciples. Go make learners. Invite the world. Invite them to turn from their idols, Acts chapter 17, and to serve the living God. Go make disciples. And then when you make them and they start following you, bring them right into the waters. Why? Because at the core of being a lifelong learner, i.e. a disciple, it means you learn from a new master and a new Lord. And our Lord didn't stay at a distance and convey his love. He came and immersed himself fully into your and I condition. He came through the waters of his mother's womb when he was born as a human and fully participating, Hebrews 2, 16 through 18, fully human in every way. He immersed himself, the God of the universe, the second member of the Trinity, took on skin so that when he looked at you and I, he didn't just guess what we were going through. He fully identified with us. He immersed himself into the human condition. And after he was born, Luke, 12, 12, Luke 2 tells us that he grew in favor and stature. He grew up. How many know Jesus didn't, wasn't born a man? He grew up a baby and then a toddler and an infant. He had poopy diapers. <laughs> they probably didn't stink because he's the Lord, but I don't know. <laughs> he immerses himself by coming through the water of his mother's womb and being born into the planet. Emmanuel, God with us. And everywhere he went, he, he, for 30 years, he lives a life of monotony. He's just building furniture, whatever he was doing as a carpenter, following his earthly father's trade. And then when he's 30, he goes to the wilderness of John the Baptist, and he says, okay, I've identified with them by becoming fully human. I've immersed myself in their condition, but now I need to be baptized. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, he approaches John the Baptist, and he says, John... I know this is a little bit weird, you baptizing God. This is part of my immersion. How many know that he came not just to identify our humanity, he came to absorb and absolve and to take on him the sin of humanity. And when he went through the waters of baptism himself, it wasn't because he was a sinner in need of repentance, but he wanted to come and fully identify with our fallen condition without himself falling into sin. What a God we serve. He was immersed in those waters in the Jordan River that day to tell us, I see you. I feel you. I know what you're going through. I'm in it with you. And he comes out of the waters of that Jordan, the heavens split, the dove descends, the spirit falls on the sun, and the father says, this is my boy. I love him. I'm so well pleased in him. 
Jesus then lives his life and ministry, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the good news of the kingdom, calling those sinners to repentance, sharing meals with the people from the wrong side of the tracks, running into all sorts of trouble with the religious people who didn't think they needed repentance or forgiveness. You all don't know nobody like that. And then at about halfway point in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 12, around verse 50, he tells his disciples, guys, I have a baptism. Yes, I went through the waters of my mother's womb. And yes, I was baptized in the Jordan River to start my ministry, identifying with all of Israel and all the world and their need for cleansing, although I didn't need it, but I identify with them. And he tells his disciples in Luke 12, I've got one more baptism to undergo. It's the baptism of the death on the cross of Calvary. And he says this, he's this language, I'm under construction, until it happens, there's just this thing in me that won't let me go, because it's why I was born. Come on, somebody. I was born to bear the weight of the sin of the world. So Jesus is in the garden right before he gave up his life, and he has this dialogue through prayer with his father. He says, Father, if there's any other way, There is no other way. There's no other way for the, for the human race to get immersed in the, the life that flows in you and I, Father, apart from me, being fully immersed in my death and in my suffering. It's the only way, Father. Is there any other? Three times he asks his Papa, is there? No, okay. I'm going to drink the cup. And in Mark 10, the cup and baptism are synonymous. They're the same metaphor. The cup he had to drink is the same baptism he had to undergo, the baptism of death and sin. And I want you to know we serve a God today, and if you don't serve him, you can. Who tasted death, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, so that you and I could taste grace in place of death. Come on, this side's excited. How about this side? Come on. Hey, listen. He tasted death once, say it with me, once and for all. Come on, say it again. Once and for all. Once and for all means once and for all. So if you're living under the weight of sin, the weight of death, the weight of your own bondage and idolatry and brokenness, you don't have to today when you leave this place. He can set you free through the power of his name. And so Jesus, three times, Father, is there any other? No, no other way. No other way. No other way. And so if you fast forward a few hours, Jesus Christ is hanging in John 19. He's hanging. And a soldier comes. He stabs his side. And what flows from his side? finished his baptism I bore it and when the soldier pierced him a stream was open that hasn't lost its power for 2,000 plus years a stream of mercy a river of healing a river of grace a river of renewal, a river of brand new starts, a river of new 
destination, a river. Of the, you thought it was the end, but it's just the beginning. Trust in me. Believe in me. And when the soldier pierced him, virtue flowed from the side of the sun. And that virtue, it still works today. If you don't know God, you can be born again. You can be brought into the family. You can be set free and forgiven and made brand new. And then three days. What's the three days all about, man? Anyone ever experienced three days? Come on, you know what I'm saying. You, you wonder why there's three days. Come on, anyone experienced three days when it didn't pan out like you thought? Come on, somebody. Yes, sir. When it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. When your hope was dashed or you thought it was. How many know that it's in those moments the sun is lying in the grave? He identifies with that tension that we all go through. But then, on the third day, the Father told the Holy Spirit, this ain't how it ends. I want you to know, Jesus did not raise himself up from the dead. God the Father sent God the Spirit to resurrect God the Son. Jesus didn't just go down there and, end, you know, stop submitting to the Father. He submitted all the way to the point of death, all the way to the point where his Father would vindicate his sacrifice by sending God the Spirit so that the Spirit rose Jesus in the power of God, thus proving the validity of his claims. Jesus is the Son of God. And if you're here today, oh, man, why would you be baptized? I don't know, because he did all of that for you and me. Wow. And that's like a little bit more than getting into a jacuzzi. Yeah. Why baptism? Baptism is that grace. Go and make disciples. Disciples of who? Of the one I just got to talking about. Baptize them in the name of the Father. That you know that when you're brought into the family of God, you get a new dad. That's good news for some in this place. God is your Father. The Spirit, Romans 8, cries out, Abba. In Galatians 4, 4 through 6, the Spirit says, Abba, you have a new relationship with the God of the universe. That's a good deal any time of day, any day of the week. Baptize them into the name of the Son. Did you know that when you're baptized in the family, you got a new big brother, you got a best friend, you got one that you can look to, one that set the example and the one that walks with you all along the way. And then baptize them into the name of the Spirit. Did you know that even though Jesus is right now at the right hand of his Father, the Spirit is the breathing, brooding, empowering presence of God in this place. The breathing, brooding power of God that dwells in you and dwells in me. The Spirit. And then their whole life, here's what you're going to do. You're going to teach them to obey. I wish it was harder. I mean, it's hard, but it's that simple. When, when Peter preached the first great message after the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they were cut to the heart in Acts 2.37. They had never put all the dots together that the guy they killed was the one who came to give them life. But when Peter stood up and preached the gospel, that first gospel sermon, after the Spirit, what did he tell the crowd? What should we do? What did he tell them? Repent. 
and be baptized. Who was he talking to? For you, your children, and all of those who are far off. 237 through 9. <laughs> Who's it for? For you? Someone say, for me? Your children, my children, and all of those who are far off. God is inviting the world in and through Christ, and now through his church, empowered by the Spirit, the whole world, to immerse themselves in the life of God. Woo! Come on. Come on. Amen. I'm happy. So, I got 24 of these in the back. First question, have you believed that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he's Lord? Have you been brought from death to life? John 5, 24. Have you, a dead person in your transgressions and sins, heard the voice of the master that says, come to life? If not, you can this morning. And you can start the journey. How many know the start is really, really great? Yeah. If that's you, you wanted to slip up your hand this morning. Chatty, I want to receive Jesus. I want to put my trust in him. If there's anyone like that this morning, don't worry. Y'all don't have to go get that. I'm not going to make you get in the water. Just, this is just a prayer time first. You just say, Chatty, I want to do that. I want to trust in Jesus. I see those hands. It's beautiful. Amen. What that means is that, Pastor Chatty, I'm good. I, I got, if you didn't raise your hand, hey, you're good. Anyone else? Awesome. I love this. Lord, I just ask right now for those who raised their hand that you would come. And just if you raise your hand, you don't have to pray out loud, but just in your heart, just invite Jesus to come. I don't want to give you words to say, but just, Lord, forgive me. Come and be Lord. I trust you in that. Just give him, give him your heart. He knows every word before one word's on your mouth. And acknowledge that he is Lord and that you desire him to be the Lord of your life and your heart. God, we love you. We're so thrilled for these who've come into faith. Maybe for the first time this morning. Unbelievable. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Amen. Can we give a shout for those who pray?